You can be seated. Glory to God. Guys, it seems like my voice is a little shrill. Is it just me or does it seem a little shrill to y'all? How is everybody this morning? Yes. Y'all happy? Yes. Are you wondering where the better looking one is? He's, he's doing great. He's just uh, taking a little time and, and uh, getting to himself and, and uh, getting some answers. And uh, there's some things coming up. Are y'all excited about them? Yeah. We're excited about them. And uh, we want you believing with us. And um, are you believing? Yeah. You know, we've prayed about them. How many of you have been here on Wednesday nights when we've prayed about some of the next steps and some of the things going on? Hey, if you've missed some Wednesday nights, you might want to get in. It's the prayers that get to hear about it first. So uh, get in here and so uh, do that. So uh, he's doing great. Well, all things are well. Don't be concerned. So had some people asking me, was Brother Keith okay? Yeah, he's great. Better than ever. Yeah. He just likes to hear from God. You like to hear from God? All right. Good deal. Well, I tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. You remember that old, that old game show, Let's Make a Deal? <laughs> now you used to say if all your money's facing the right direction or if uh, this is happening or that's happening, you know, you'll, you'll get this. I'll make a deal with you. I'll give you my very best this morning. If you'll listen your very best this morning. How about that? Fair enough? Sounds fair to me, doesn't it, to you? All right. Well, if you don't have a Bible this morning, it'll be real important that you do. Because, you know, I can say lots of stuff, but it will not be as important as what's in that book. So uh, I want us to make sure we see the Word for ourselves this morning. Because it's the Word that will change your life forever. Not my Word, but His Word. So uh, I want to get into some things this morning that... Uh, it's stories that you've heard all your life, but I'd like for you to see them from a different perspective maybe this morning than maybe you've looked at them before. So are you ready? All right, let's do it. Let's turn to Psalm 23 this morning. You ever heard of that psalm? Well, let's read it. We'll start out with the King James Version. They say some people think it's the only version, but we'll start out with it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now the Living Bible. Because the Lord is my shepherd... I have everything I need. He lets me rest in the meadow grass and he leads me beside the quiet streams. 
He gives me new strength. He helps me do what honors Him the most. Even when walking through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me, guarding, guiding all the way. Maybe we should have Susan sing again, right? You provide delicious food for me in the presence of my enemies. You have welcomed me as your guest. Blessings overflow. Your goodness and unfailing kindness shall be with me all my life. And afterwards, I will live with you forever in your home. Let's read verse 3 again in the King James. He restores my soul and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This morning, the title, what I've titled this this morning is The Paths of the Lord. And don't automatically get on a tangent and think, well, I know what she's going to talk about. You don't. So stay open-minded for just a few minutes. First and foremost, as you read Psalm 23, notice something. They were facing some pretty big things. It says, they were facing death. And they were facing enemies, but they were not afraid. Why weren't they afraid? First and foremost, because he was with them. Secondly, why weren't they afraid? Because they were on his path. They were on his path. You ever seen the Disney shows or the races, you know, cartoons or something where they have the shows and you've got a fork in the road and the bad guy has set up traps on one fork and the, the other fork is a really good one and you can go down it and it's got the fruit trees and the apple trees and the beautiful green meadows and the stream flowing on the side and it's real sunny and it's just an easy, no bumps in the road, just real smooth. You ever seen the other path? As soon as you get on it, what happens? It's dark and dungeony and dreary and moss hanging from the trees and eerie and all kind of sorts of what, dragons and critters and there's huge holes in the road and it's just bad things on that road. You ever seen that? Or the race where they twirl the sign and they hit the detour sign and you go the other way and there's potholes and there's fences and there's everything that you hit. You ever felt like you got on the opposite path? You ever felt like you were on the road that you kept hitting the potholes? 
You ever felt like you were on the one where it was dark? You ever felt like you go a little while, and it might not be a pothole, but then uh, you hit something else? Or the dragon came out and got you? Well, let's talk about it this morning. You want to? I know uh, my own self. So many things can get you off the path. And they're not necessarily bad things. The devil will make you think automatically when you're talking about the paths and getting off the path, that automatically that getting you off the path is because you're doing something wicked or evil or, or really, really bad. But not necessarily so. Because the devil knows most people's hearts, whether you think he does or not. And he knows, for instance, me, he's tempting me to go to a bar today probably wouldn't win. Do you understand what I'm saying? But tempting me to work all day with natural things like, uh, for instance, uh, he could tempt me all week long to deal with uh, purchase orders, deal with phone calls, deal with emails, deal with uh, trouble with things in the office, deal with uh, this problem with this person, deal with this problem with this church member, deal with this problem with this phone call, deal with... He could keep me busy, distracted with things from early morning... 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And he could keep me off the path of ever spending any time with him. Ever getting quiet, ever studying, ever preparing to get ready for a service in the morning. By keeping me tied up with 62,000 other things that are important things. Not saying they're not important. And he will make them as important as he needs to to keep you distracted with them. To keep you off the path that you need to be on in order to accomplish the thing that God wants you to accomplish. That's his greatest tool. But turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs 16, 9. In the King James, it says... A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord does what? Directs his steps. Devises means to form a plan or arrange it in your own mind. You ever done that? Sat there and thought it up. The RSV says it that way, revised standard. It says, a man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. 
Like I can be feeling like, Phyllis, you need to stop this and go home and get quiet and study. But 62 other people stand up and line up. And just one more thing, just one more thing. And all that while, that one more thing is getting me off the path of the thing that God wants me to do. Does that mean that this other thing is bad? For me, it is. And there's several reasons why. Because if I'm doing it, the person that should be doing it is not doing it. And I'm not doing what God wants me to do. Sometimes... I think God has a totally different plan for people, but they make up their own plans in their own minds. And I want us to look at one today. And um, this is a story that as you've grown up, if you know anything about God, everybody in this room has heard about it. And I want us to take the time and I want you to get your Bible out or look at it on the screen. Actually, if you don't have this translation and I want us to read the whole book, you got time? Like Dino says, where are you going to go? Right? Let's do it. All right? Turn to the book of Jonah. Everybody heard the story of Jonah? What do you, what do you think of immediately when you think of Jonah? A whale and Jonah messed up, right? How many of you immediately think about that when you think of Jonah? It's the first thing you think of. Well, I want us to think about something different when we think about Jonah today. I want us to put it up here on the screen in the New Living. And I want us to take our time and read it this morning. And I think you'll get some good things out of it. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. So wicked he was going to destroy it in 40 days. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to a port in Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarship. Tarshish, and uh, that's the most remote part of the trading places, they say. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted for their gods for help. And threw the cargo overboard and lightened the ship. Now don't let your mind wander. Pay attention for just a few minutes. But all this time Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. Now let me ask you a question right here. Can you being in sin affect the people around you? Just a thought. Does it matter who you hang around with? So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep in a time like this? He shouted. Get up and pray to your God. 
Maybe he'll pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord. Of course, now he's going to say he worships the Lord. The God of heaven who made the sea and the land. And the sailors were terrified when they heard this. For he had already told them he was running away from God, from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, What should we do to you to stop this storm? They were smart. Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. O Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death. Did Jonah put them in a bad spot? Whatever they do is bad. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into a raging sea. And the storm stopped at once. And the sailors were awestruck by God's great power. And they offered him a sacrifice and they vowed to serve him. So they all got saved. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. That's the only verse most people know. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. And he cried. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. And I called you from the land of the dead, and, the Lord, and, the, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean's depths, and I sank into the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me, and I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. You ever felt like seaweed was wrapped around your head? I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false God turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will so offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill my, all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach. You still paying attention? Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command. 
and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. And on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat in a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and your flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they, what they had done and how they had put a stop to their own evil, their own evil ways, he changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. The Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under it as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And as soon as it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun, this eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. And the next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. And the sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted. Even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant that you did nothing to put there? It came quickly and it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Now let me ask you a quick question. What do you think the most important part of that story is?
Why didn't Jonah want to go to Nineveh? Why didn't he want to go there? Because he knew God would have compassion on those wicked people. He knew God's character ahead of time. It did not matter what those people had done. He knew God was going to forgive them. He was going to have compassion on them. It didn't matter how bad they had messed up. It didn't matter what they had done. It didn't matter how wicked they were. He knew God well enough to know if these people said, we messed up. If he told them, you're going to die in 40 days. And they repented, what is going to happen to them? Absolutely nothing. They're going to be better off than they were before. Because he knew God's character. He knew the kind of God that he already served. He knew that he was a compassionate God, a giving God, a loving God. That was the whole reason that he ran from God to begin with. That was the whole reason he didn't want to go to Nineveh. Because he knew when he told them that, that it wasn't going to happen. Did God know the end from the beginning? Did he know he was going to tell Jonah to go there and that the people were going to repent and that Jonah was going to rebel and the whole thing was going to happen? Of course he did. Did he still tell Jonah to do it? What about you? Reckon God would still tell you to do some things? There's two things that happened in this story. God had compassion on the Ninevites. And God had compassion on Jonah. So to me, the book of Jonah is not about Jonah missing it. It's about the great compassion of God. And what happens when you do miss it? Whether you're wicked and you're evil and you mess up and you keep messing up and you keep messing up and God's ready to let destruction come upon you. What is the only thing you have to do? You have to call out to him and you have to repent. If you're like the Ninevites, if you got really wicked... They must have gotten really wicked to be destroyed in 40 days. Maybe you think you've done something really, really, really wicked. Wicked's a bad word, don't you think? That's the word he used. Maybe you think you're in the Ninevites place. Maybe, I don't know. 
Maybe God has sent people like Jonah across your path. And he said, you know, tell him to straighten up. Would he forgive you for wickedness? Absolutely. Why? Because he's he's a God of love. He's a God of compassion. That's what Jonah knew. But let's talk about Jonah. God told Jonah to do that. Did Jonah do it? Not at first. Did Jonah get off the path that God had for him? Did he try to run as far as he could from him? Was that a pretty path? Did it get dark in that path? But could he get back on the path? But here is the question. Do you get to skip what God told you to do? Look with me again. At verse, let's see, chapter, uh, I guess that's three, verse one. Put it up on the screen for us, guys. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Put up the second verse. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Does that sound familiar to Jonah? You think it does? Has God told you? Get up. Go. Do this. Do you think he changed his mind? Go and do what? Deliver the message I have given you. He, you can repent all you want to repent. Jonah repented. Right? He said, I'll keep my vows. It's real easy to say, God, I repent. But what happens after you repent? You gotta do it. Even though it's not gonna change a stinking thing. And Jonah knew it wasn't. And he was gonna look like an idiot. And he was gonna look really dumb when what he prophesied wasn't gonna come to pass. They weren't gonna be destroyed. But he still told him for the second time to go and do it. Can you skip that step? Will your path get better if you skip that step? Are you going to have seaweed wrapped around your head? Is it going to be dark? 
Can it be messy? How long can you stay off the path? How long could Jonah, could Jonah have said, I'm just not doing it? Absolutely. He could have stayed there forever. But what happened to Jonah? He did what God told him to do. That's the only way good things will happen for you or for me. There's been times, just like what I was telling you earlier. Hey, I can say it all I want to. I can say, I'm going to quit doing that. I'm going to leave. I'm going to go study. I'm going to get quiet. But you know what? Till I do it, all my talking means nothing. At some point in time, not only am I affecting my own life, though, I'm affecting the lives of the people around me. And putting them in turmoil. And putting them in danger. And holding them accountable for what to do with me. Do you see that? It puts you in positions that you shouldn't be in. Makes it hard on you. But if you do obey God and you get on His path, what are, what are some things that happen to people that are, are on the paths of God. Why weren't these people in Psalm 23 concerned at all about death? Why weren't they concerned at all about their enemies? Because they were on the right path. They were doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing. They were doing it exactly the time that they were supposed to be doing it. Let's read a couple of other things. Let me read you a psalm here. Um, it's Psalm 37. I told you we was going to read some word this morning. This is in the King James 2. And we're going to read the whole thing again. You ready? Can you take some word this morning? Yes. You going to overdose on the word this morning? Yes, Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shall thou thy dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy ways unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as light and thy judgment as noonday. Rest in the Lord and walk patiently for him, fret not thyself because who prospereth of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass, cease from anger and forsake wrath, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait on the Lord 
shall inherit the earth for a little while and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the Lord, against the just and gnashes him teeth, gnashes upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him. For he sees his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and the needy to slay such to be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart. Their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed of thine evil time, uh, in the evil time. And in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into, into smoke, and shall they consume away. The wicked barth and payeth not again. But the righteous shows mercy and giveth. How can they give? Because they got to give. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth. And they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I've been young and now I'm old. And yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment, and he forsakes not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. Righteous. The righteous shall inherit the earth and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speak wisdom, and his tongue talketh judgment. The law of his God is in his heart, and none of his steps shall slide. The wicked watch the righteous and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee uh, to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. You, I know you think I'm reading a lot, but wait till you read. I read it from another translation and you'll get the whole point of it. So hang on just a second. Listen carefully. Yet he passed away and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him and he could not be found. Mark the perfect man and behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help him and deliver him. And he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust him. Now, I want to read it to you from the message. And again, the message is a paraphrase, but I think you will thoroughly enjoy it. As a matter of fact, you may want to read it again if you can find it. Listen very careful. Look at it on the screen. I think you will thoroughly enjoy this. Don't bother your head with braggarts or wish you could succeed like the wicked. In no time they'll shrivel like the grass clippings 
and wilt like cut flowers in the sun. Get insurance with God and do a good deed. Settle down and stick to your last. Keep company with God. Get in on the best. Open up before God. Keep nothing lacking. And He'll do whatever needs to be done. He'll validate your life in the clear light of day and stamp you with the approval at high noon. Quiet down before God. Be prayerful before Him. Don't bother with those who climb the ladder who elbow their way to the top. Bridle your anger. Trash your wrath. Cool your pipes. It only makes things worse. Listen to this next one. Before long, the crooks will be bankrupt. Are you seeing that? God investors will soon own the store. Before you know it, the wicked will have had it. You'll stare at this once famous place and nothing. Down to earth people will move in and take over. Relishing a huge bonanza. Bad guys have it in for the good guys. Obsessed with doing them in. But God isn't losing any sleep. To him, they're a joke with no punchline. <laughs> Bullies brandish their swords, pull back on their bows with a flourish. But they're out to beat up on the harmless or mug a nice man out walking his dog. A banana peel lands them flat on their faces. <laughs> Slapstick figures in a moral circus. Less is more and more is less. One righteous will outclass 50 wicked. For the wicked are moral weaklings, but the righteous are God strong. God keeps track of decent folk. What they don't do won't soon be forgotten. Listen to this one. In hard times, they'll hold their heads high. When the shelves are bare, they'll be full. God despisers have had it. God's enemies are finished. Stripped bare like vineyards at harvest time. Vanished like smoke in thin air. Wicked borrows and never returns. Righteous gives and gives. Generous gets it all in the end. Stingy is cut off at the pass. Stalwart walks in steps with God. He blazed, his path blazed by God. He is happy. If he stumbles, he's not down for long. God has a grip on his hand. I once was young. Now I'm graybeard. I'm a graybeard. Not once have I seen an abandoned believer or his kids out roaming the streets. Every day he's out giving and lending. His children making him proud. Turn your back on evil, work for the good, and don't quit. God loves this kind of thing. Never turns away from his friends, lives this way, and you live this way, and you've got it made. Bad eggs are tossed out. The good gets planted on good land and put down healthy roots. Righteous chews on wisdom like a dog on a bone. Rolls virtue around on his tongue. His heart pumps God's word like blood through his veins. 
His feet are sure as cats. Wicked sets a watch for the righteous. He's out for the kill. God's alert is also on watch. Wicked won't hurt a hair of his head. Wait patiently for God. Don't leave the path. He get, he'll give you your place in the sun while you watch the wicked lose it. I saw the wicked bloat, bloated like a toad. Croaking pretentious nonsense. The next time I looked, there was nothing. A punctured bladder. <laughs> Vampid and limp. Keep your eyes on the healthy soul. Scrutinize the straight life. There's a future in the strenuous, in strenuous wholeness. But the willful will soon be discarded. Insolent souls are on a dead end street. The spacious free life is from God. It's also protected and safe. God strengthened, we're delivered from evil. When we run to Him, He saves us. Now, this just keeps coming up in my heart. Many, many, many in here have stood and stood and stood and been strong and been tough. And you've proven how strong and how tough you can be. Now God needs you to prove how submissive and how humble you can be to Him. Not how weak. There's a difference between the two. He is your strength. He's seen how strong you can be. You don't have to prove that anymore. It's not how strong a person can be. Sometimes we're standing long and we're standing hard. But why are we having to stand so long and stand so hard? Is it because we're standing so long and so hard doing what we're supposed to be doing? Or is it because we're standing so long and so hard because we, we've forgotten what he told us to do? Do you think if Jonah had not obeyed God immediately, he could have gone years and years and years and years and years and eventually forgotten what God had told him to do at Nineveh? Sometimes you got to go back and say, God, what was it you told me to do? And get quiet. Sometimes it's actually harder in your mind to do what God tells you to do. But 
in reality, can it be harder than living through what you've been living through? Which is harder? I can tell you, the blessed life with God is easy. He said, take my yoke upon you. It's easy. My burden is light. But what you've been enduring is tough and hard. Walking with God and staying in His path is a simple, easy thing. Walking away from God and staying on this other path is hard. And why would anybody want to go down the hard path? When it's tough and it's hard and you're broken, you're sick and you're miserable and your marriage is bad. I mean, people get out of the plan of God for silly things sometimes. They say, okay, I'll serve God when my kids grow up. Well, what they don't understand is they're affecting, just like Jonah, is it affecting their kids' lives, the people around them, that they're not serving God then? Absolutely. Or I can't serve God because I have to take care of my parents. Is it affecting their parents' lives that they're not serving God now? Or my husband won't let me serve God. Or my wife won't let me serve God. Is it affecting their spouse's lives because they're not serving God? Absolutely. People make all kind of excuses. Money is like the number one excuse for not serving God. But you can beat yourself silly in this world system trying to make money and working your way up the, the ladder in the world system with it not being blessed will beat you to half to death. Doing things God's way, that was the... I did it. I I can stand right here before you. God is my witness and tell you. I worked a secular job. I did it. I was refusing to serve God. I wanted the world's way. I, I liked the corporate world. I liked doing things in the business world. I liked making my own money. I liked having my own money. I liked having control of things. I was making $1,000 a day. I liked it. I will not lie to you. I was miserable. I had the money, but I was miserable. Then I started serving God, and I didn't have the making the thousand dollars a day. I was still broke. I had nothing to show for it. I didn't have the nice houses. I didn't have the nice cars. I didn't have the nice jewelry. I didn't have the nice things. My marriage was in turmoil. But I made the decision, and I got on the path and said, I'm going to quit fighting it. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And God, I took a job making a sixteenth of what I was making. 
if that much. But I got on the path. I got on the path that God had planned for me. And things started to turn. And they started to go in the right direction. And they didn't turn overnight. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you they did. But they started to turn. And they started to get better. And they started to get easier. And less trouble in my marriage. And my finances started getting out of the hole. I wasn't looking at bankruptcy anymore. And I wasn't looking at problems with my bills. And I was making, I told you what I was making a day, and I was still in a mess. Making less money, I had more. Why? Because one dollar with God blessed is better than a thousand with the devil unblessed. Anything you do with God blessed is better than everything with the devil unblessed. Get back on his path. Some of you, I'm not saying everybody in here is supposed to be a preacher. What I am saying is, if God told you, get up in the morning with your kids, read your chapter every day, go to this job, witness for me today, come home, serve, uh, be an usher at church, be there faithful. If that's what he told you to do, then you do it with all fervency. Find out the plan for your life. But if he told you to go to Zimbabwe and preach, then you better pack your bags and be there tomorrow. Don't wait six months. Get your bags packed. Get there tomorrow. You've waited long enough. Some people have to figure it out in their heads. How is all this going to work? You get on his plan and it'll work. You get blessed. His blessing comes with his plan. Your health comes with his plan. His prosperity comes with His plan. His wisdom comes with His plan. His joy comes with His plan. His peace comes with His plan. His happiness, His everything comes with His plan. And it's so much better. You get off that dragon-filled road with the potholes. Let's read another scripture here. Y'all had too much scripture this morning? Psalm 65. This is God's path. Verse 11. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness. And thy path drops fatness. What does fatness mean? It doesn't mean I'm going to gain 200 pounds. means blessings. It means goodness. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are closed with flocks and the valleys are covered over with corn and they shout for joy and they also sing. The New Living says it real plain. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Now listen to this next part. Even the hard paths overflow with abundance when you're serving God even your hard path would overflow with abundance when you're on God's path 
Now, can the devil promise you that? I don't think so. Proverbs 10. Verse 29. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. The righteous shall be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. The righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. But the living Bible, listen to this. You ready to shout? Like Brother Hagin used to say, did you wear your shouting clothes today? Are you sure? Some of you are still unsure. Are you sure? Okay, listen to this. God protects the upright, but destroys the wicked. Verse 30, put it up there and read it with me, everybody. The good shall never lose God's blessing. Never. How how often is never? Never. You will never lose it. But the wicked shall lose everything. So which one are you? If you were wicked, what happened to the Ninevites? They repented. And they got on the good side in a hurry. Didn't take them long. God's merciful. Doesn't matter what you've done. God's a merciful God. You can get on the good side just that quick. And then these blessings can all be yours. We could spend all day in here talking about the blessings of God and how wonderful He is. I mean, you could read Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture about the blessings of God. And it'd do us good to do it. I mean, when times are like they are, it's so wonderful to just sit at home, get your family together, and and get out the Bible and read about the blessings of God. Because I guarantee you, you're hearing on the news the negativeness. And you've got to counteract it with something. You don't want to just sit there and hear negative all the time. For as much time you hear the negative, you ought to get that Bible out and put as much good in you about the blessing. Don't just hear the negative. Because what happens if you just hear the negative? You believe it more than you do the good. Balance it with the good. Know what's yours. You're blessed of the Lord. His blessing rests upon you. Does it? Which are you? The blessed of the Lord. The good is yours. You'll be on His path. How many of you want to stay on His path? Not get on the dark path. Well, stand up with me. Let's confess this. Close your eyes for just a moment. Say, Father, now only if you mean this, say it. Father, I want to be on the path you have for me. If I've gotten off, if I've missed it, show me again like you did with Jonah. Tell me what to say, what to do, where to go. How long to be there? there? 
And I'll do it. I won't stray to the left. I won't stray to the right. I'll look straight ahead. And do it. Because I know. That's where my blessings are. And I trust you. And you'll lead me. Because I'm your sheep. And I hear your voice. And a stranger's voice. I will not follow. And I thank you for leading me. Starting now. In Jesus' name. Now thank him for doing it. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated for just a moment. Guys, do you have that track ready? If you would play that for me. This is, uh, of course, I um, think this is real important. There's a lot of people. Uh, wait just a second. Um, there's a lot of people that um, have not. They've trusted in themselves. They've not trusted in God about it, like Jonah. They've not trusted that God's going to make it work out for them. They've not trusted that they can put their whole heart, soul, confidence, body, mind, and strength in God. Because they don't know Him well enough. And they don't know if they give Him their life, that He's really going to protect them. That He's really going to be there for them. But He will. And He'll never let you down. And I want you to close your eyes... And just listen to this for just a minute, and then I'll come back up. Go ahead. They're getting it for us. They thought I was going to sing it. They was only playing the one without the words. Not happening. They're getting it. Just thank the Lord for just a minute. It's a coming. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you, Lord, I do. I never even worry that I might not make it through. Because I trust you. I trust you. I trust you, Lord, I do. Because I know you love me, I will always trust in you. Oh, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you, Lord, I do. I never even worry that I might not make it through because I trust you, oh, I trust you, I trust you, Lord, I do, because I know you love me, I will always trust in you, yes, I do, and I don't need to understand all about the workings of your plan. I don't have to all 
first place you have to trust him with your head still bowed and your eyes still closed is trusting him with your life by trusting him as your savior that's the first step that you have to take that's the first thing that the Ninevites had to do is they had to go to him and say we repent we love you Lord And that's the first thing we have to do is we have to say, Lord, we trust you with our lives. So if you're in here this morning and you've never said that, you've never said, Lord, I trust you with my life. I give you my life. And I'll trust you as my Lord and as my Savior. And you've never done that in here this morning. If you would, I ask you to raise your hand in here this morning. And I know that there's a few people in here this morning. Don't be ashamed. Every person in here this morning had to do that. So if you're in here this morning and you've never made Jesus your personal Savior, or if you're in here this morning and you have made Him your personal Savior and you've decided, you know what, I got away from Him, 
And I got wicked, maybe even like some of the Ninevites. Wicked to you may just be, like I said, maybe not doing what he told you to do. Maybe putting money first or maybe putting things first. Doesn't have to be some evil, demonic something. But you got off the path from serving God. And you want to come back this morning. If that's you in here this morning, if you would, please raise your hand. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Several hands all over the place. Or if you're in here this morning, there's a power and a strength that we have to be able to stay on the path and to be able to hear from God and know exactly what path He has for us. And sometimes it's easier to hear from Him when you pray in the Spirit and you'll be able to hear exactly the direction that you have. There's something called being filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you would like to be filled with His Spirit to be a witness and to be able to hear from Him and speak mysteries unto God that you've not been able to do and you want to do that in here this morning, if you would, please raise your hand. And you've not done it. Yes, yes, yes. Once again, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, And you want to this morning. You know he's tugging on your heart. You know he's here. He's alive. He's well. And he died for you so that you don't have to go to hell and go through any more torment than what you've already been through. He's a merciful and compassionate God. And he doesn't want you to suffer another minute longer. He loves you so very much. If we didn't have this service for anybody this morning but you, we'd have done it. If that's you in here this morning, raise your hand. Or if you're here this morning and you got away and you want to come back, raise your hand. Or if you want to be filled with the Spirit, raise your hand. Yes, the hands are still going up everywhere. Well, if I was talking to you and you raised your hand on any one of those accounts, if you would please stand because I want to pray with you. I want us to pray with you this morning if you raised your hand. So if you would, please stand wherever you are all over this place. There was lots of hands that went up. So don't let the devil talk you out of it now. That's what he tried to do with Jonah. Don't let him talk you out of it. All over this place. Stand strong. Stand firm. The blessings are just going to begin in your life. I mean, they're going to overtake you from this day forward. So don't let the devil talk you out of all your blessings now. Well, if you're standing, if you would look at me, I would like for you to come up here and stand close to me. Those around them, if you would let them pass by you real quickly. And we're going to pray for you. And we'll believe God's going to.